It was July 14th, and uh, it was my birthday, and uh, my wife and kids and I went over to a friend's house to go swimming, and uh, we stopped on the way back uh, to get some food, and we were in line at a drive-through, and I got a phone call from my mom, and uh, I was expecting that she was going to wish me a happy birthday, but instead... Uh, uh, she told me that my grandfather had died, and uh, about an hour later, I got another phone call from my mom and found out that it uh, was a suicide, and uh, I didn't know what to think, and, uh, and just uh, the week before, uh, my kids and I, and we Skyped with them and uh, had talked, and I was expecting to talk with them later on that day. And uh, I don't know what my next birthday will be like. It's definitely going to be different. It's already been two years. Uh, I've seen doctor after doctor, specialist after specialist, and still no answers. I went from living a healthy and active lifestyle as a mother with four kids. Then now I find myself confined to bed most of the time with excruciating pain. Darkness seems to engulf me and the hope and confidence that I had had in medicine and in doctors and family, especially in God, has disappeared. I feel completely abandoned, hopeless. Well, most of us can identify with those two stories that were shared there. Maybe you've lost a loved one and you're not exactly sure how to navigate that. Or maybe you've wrestled with this issue of, of unanswers or, or no answers that you've gotten for your health journey. You've been on this health journey for a long time and you just have not gotten the answers that, that you're looking for. There are many different types of ways that we can find ourselves in this in-between space of life, a place where we find ourselves in between the life that we have and the life that we desire and we're just kind of like in this holding pattern, almost like we're walking through the desert aimlessly. We have no direction. Whether it's a job issue, a family issue, a death issue, there are just so many issues that where we can find ourselves in that spot where we're just not sure. Like, what do we do? Where do we go? How do we handle this new season that we find ourselves in? Well, last week we started this series called In Between, and we're exploring what God wants us to know and what God wants us to do in those seasons of life. And for most of us, we feel like it's wasted time. If you've been in an in-between space, it, often we just feel like, you know, we're just looking at the clock, wondering when is this going to be over? Just like time is, is being wasted away. And yet for God, this time is never wasted. This time is fertile ground for God to do some amazing things in us. God often uses these types of scenarios in our lives to grow us to be the people he wants us to become. They're perfect places for God to do what only God can do. But what feels like for us is a detour into the desert is what God is using to transform us into the people that he wants us to become. Now, last week, we started our journey with the ancient Israelites who were on a trip with God. 
See, they had been in slavery for 400 years and they cried out to God for help and God heard their cries. He sent a man named Moses to come and rescue them and freed them from 400 years of slavery. And not only did God free them from slavery, but God gave them the wealth of Egypt. So it was unimaginable what it was, had just transpired in their world. They went from a slave nation having nothing and then God gave them the wealth of Egypt. They were probably the richest group of people in the world at that time. So it was an amazing thing that God had just done for them. And we saw also last week that God promised to give them land. So God said, listen, I'm going to give you some land. It's your land. It's special land. It's just for you. And the Bible describes it as land that was flowing with milk and honey. So it had incredible prosperity to it. And God said, this land is going to help define you as a people group. And so God in his generosity was saying, I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to bless you with this incredible land. So again, this is the journey that they're on. They're leaving slavery and they're headed towards this promised land. Now we learned last week that God was not leading the Israelites on the shortest route from Egypt to the promised land. If he would have taken that main road, it would have taken about three weeks to get there and yet God took a detour into the desert. See, there were some things that God wanted to teach the Israelites while they were in the desert. There were some things inside the Israelites that needed to change. Again, they had been slaves for years, and that was their identity. And God said, listen, I don't want you to represent me to the world as a slave nation. That's what it means to be in a relationship with me, that you will represent me to the world. So we've got to deal with this slave issue. We've got to get that out of you. Now, as we'll see today, the easier task for God was to get the Israelites out of Egypt. But the more difficult task for God, if, if that you can even say that, because there's nothing too difficult for God, but that more difficult task in this moment is to get Egypt out of the Israelites. Now, last week we checked in with the Israelites on their journey. They were in day three of this new journey with this amazing God, and they had run out of water. They were in a desperate place. They had about 2 million people traveling with them, and they're out of water. They have nothing. And so if they don't get water, they're not going to make it. They're not going to survive much longer. And we watched how God miraculously met their needs last week. They made it to, um, on their journey through the desert, they made it to an oasis that they named Mara, which means bitter, because the water that they found there was bitter. And they were pretty upset about that. And God told Moses, hey, go get a stick. And Moses went and got a stick. He took that stick, he threw it into the water, and the water became good to drink. So God met the needs of the Israelites in a miraculous way. And then I encouraged you last week to be on the lookout for sticks. You know, those ordinary things that God wants to use in your world to do extraordinary things in your life. So I'm just curious, anybody find any sticks or identify any sticks in your life this past week? You're looking around, a few hands up, few, few people saw some sticks. Well, keep your eyes on those sticks. Again, sticks are things that we overlook and yet things that God often uses in extraordinary ways to transform us into the people that God wants us to be. Now, today we're continuing our journey with the Israelites. We've just, we're just leaving the oasis of Mara. We're heading on this journey again in this detour, this in-between space with God, and we're in Exodus chapter 16. So verse one says, then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of sin. 
Sounds like a fun place to go, doesn't it? So just to clarify a little bit here what this word means, this word is related to the word Sinai, which there was a mountain called Sinai, and God had interacted with Moses in a very profound way on that mountain. So these two words, Sinai and sin, are related to each other, and sin in this context is not related to the word that we use, sin for. So God did not take the Israelites on a field trip to Las Vegas, so just so you know in the context of this story. So verse 2 says, there too, at the wilderness of sin, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. And Aaron was Moses' brother. Now listen to this complaint, verse three. If only, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and we ate all the bread that we wanted. But now you've brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. So it sounds similar to last week. They were thirsty, God provided. Now they're hungry. They feel like they're in a very desperate place and they're a little bit angry about it. Now look at verse four. God said to Moses, look, I'm gonna meet your needs. I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. So again, God reassures Moses, Moses, just relax. I'm gonna take care of of the needs of these people. I understand their needs. And I'm going to take care of, the, of their needs in a way that proves that it all comes from me. So this food from heaven that God sent each morning was a yellow flaky substance that you see there's a picture up on the screen. It would look kind of like frost on the ground. And what the, the people would do is they would go out each morning and they would collect what they needed for that day, and then the next morning, there would be more of it, and God would provide more of this stuff. So when the people first saw it, their response was, what is it? They looked out and went, what in the world is that stuff? And that translates into the word manna. So this became known as manna, God's provision for them, this food from heaven, they called it manna. Again, every morning they would go out and they would collect this, they would have enough for the day, and then the next morning, God would provide manna again for them. So again, in the desert, where not much grows, where God has them on this detour, God is saying again to them, just like he said last week, I'm the one who meets your needs. I'm the one that provides for you. So even in situations that look hopeless, you look around and think, it's hopeless. Nothing good can come of this. I can bring something great in this moment. I am your provider. You need to look to me and me alone. Now, God provided manna for them, not for just a a month or a, a, a year or a few years. God provided manna for 40 years. For 40 years, this food rained down from heaven for them to eat, and God met their needs. Now, we're going to fast forward in their story a few years. After a few years of eating manna, we're going to check in with them at Numbers 11. Numbers 11, verse 4, says, Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt, and the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish that we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers. And do you remember the melons? They they smell so good. I can just smell them now. The leeks and all the onions and the garlic. Oh, we had all the garlic we could ever want. And oh, it was fantastic. But now 
Our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this, what is it? Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this story and stories like this, I get a little frustrated with the Israelites. As you read through the Old Testament, it's a common pattern for them is to complain against their God. And they complain again, they complain again. And I wonder, like, are they ever going to learn? Are they ever going to learn the lessons that God wants to teach them? Are they ever going to get it? Are they always going to be a group of complainers? Is that just what they're going to do? In this total journey with God, are they always going to complain about him? Now, it's easy to sit on the outside of, of anybody's story and to be critical of them. It's easy for all of us to, and we do it all the time. We sit on the outside of somebody's story. We kind of watch them. We listen to something they say, and we make judgment calls about that. Well, I'm not so sure I would have done that, and that was a pretty stupid thing that they did. And it's easy, even as you read the Bible, to read above the Bible as if you're not in the story. But an important piece for us to remember as we read the Bible always is to try to find ourselves in the story. As you read the Bible and you read Bible stories, try to figure out, like, like what would I do in that scenario? How would I interact? If I was the one there in that spot, in that moment, what would I be thinking? What would I be feeling? So as a way for me to try to find myself in this story this past week, I thought I would try an experiment. So I decided this past week, I am going to eat the same thing all week long. So I spent this past week eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So I don't know if you're a PB&J fan. Um, I think they're pretty cool, but not so much right now. So I had peanut butter and jelly, the regular version that you see here. I had grilled peanut butter and jelly. I had fried peanut butter and jelly. I had toasted peanut butter and jelly. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then I got creative and thought, what else can I do? And I had a peanut butter and jelly tortilla. It's a little bit strange. It's kind of hard to hold it in there. It kind of drips a lot. So in a very small way, I can identify with the complaints of the Israelites, just in a small way. You know, I didn't even make it four days. I made it to Thursday, and I'm like, I can't do this any longer. So I had something else. So I understand just a little bit. Here the Israelites are complaining about eating manna for, for years. But here's the thing about their complaints. They aren't complaining about food. They're complaining about God. So they're basically saying, we were better off in Egypt God, we were better off without you. We were better off before you ever came along and interrupted our lives. They'd forgotten their years of slavery. They'd forgotten the weight of that on them. They'd forgotten how cruel and difficult that season of life was for them. They had forgotten that they had cried out to God for help and begged him to come and rescue them. God wasn't moving fast enough on this journey. He was not getting them to the promised land quick enough, so they wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to that place, even though it meant slavery for them. They had some familiar comforts there. Like, they knew how to behave in that world. They had been slaves, again, for 400 years, so they knew how to act. They knew what to do. They knew the routine. They had a few familiar comforts to them. So they're longing for the days of slavery. We all have a tendency to do that. God frees us from something that's been a burden in our world for a long time. And after a season apart from it, there are moments we're tempted to go back. 
We're tempted to find our way back to that thing. People do that with drugs and alcohol. They find freedom from that. And then after years of this freedom, they say, you know, I think I'm in a good place. I think I can handle that again. And they find themselves back in a spot where they can't handle that again. We watch people do that in relationships, maybe abusive relationships, where, where you'll watch someone in an abusive relationship, they get out of it in a moment, and then they're not exactly sure how to live on their own. They're not exactly sure how to be in a good relationship. And so they find themselves back in a really bad place. We all do that. It doesn't have to be as drastic as those examples, but we all have this tendency to wander back to things that we think bring us some comfort that bring us a little bit of pleasure in in that moment. So we have to be very careful when we're walking through these in-between seasons of life because we can get so tired of what we're going through. We can just get so tired of this desert season. We say to God, you know what, God, I I quit. Like, I give up. Like, I was better off without you. I was better off back wherever that was. I was better off back then before you interrupted my world. I think I might just go back. So what might you be sick of in your situation, your specific moment of life? If you're going through an in-between season, what might you be sick of? Are you sick of trying to figure out how to pay the bills on a regular basis? You're like, you just can't make the money stretch. You just can't figure out how to do this. Or sick of wondering if you're ever going to find the right person to be in a relationship with. You're sick of wondering what your teenager is up to. Sick of wondering if you're going to be able to resolve this family issue. Sick of wondering if you're ever going to get answers to the medical questions that you might have. So what is it that you might be sick and tired of in this desert season that you're in? Now hold on to that for just a moment because I want to check in with Moses and just see how Moses is doing in, in this part of the journey For those of you who don't know Moses' story, God came to Moses at one point in his life and said, Moses, I want to free the nation of Israel from slavery, and I want to use you to do that. Moses said, no thanks. Go pick someone else. I don't want to do that. So imagine being the guy who says, you know, I really don't want to do that, but for whatever reason, either either out of obligation or responsibility, you do that anyway, and then you find yourself around these people that you said, God, I don't really want to be involved in that. You find yourself around these people to help, that God has called you to help them. And those people are complaining about you and your leadership and what you're doing. You're like, I didn't really want to help you anyway. And then you're here in this spot where they're complaining about you. Well, that's where Moses is in this moment. And so Moses cried out to God in Numbers 11. Listen to his prayer. He says, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me saying, give us meat, give us meat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Like, do me a favor. Just spare me this misery. Don't you just feel like that sometimes? Hopefully not the suicidal part, but you know, aren't there moments you just feel like, "I 
I just don't know if I can carry this any longer. Moses is at the spot, like the end of his rope, and he's saying, God, I just am not sure that I can hold on to this any longer. As you listen to Moses' prayer, I wonder who else's voice do you hear in that? Who else do you hear crying out to God, saying, I just don't know if I can carry this anymore? I hear the voice of a couple who's been battling with years of infertility, who says, we just don't know, God, if we can carry this anymore. I hear the woman in that scenario saying, God, I, I don't know if I can go to another baby shower. I'm just not so sure that, that I can, can go and be happy for one of my friends who's found out that, that they're having a baby because their joy means my pain. Like, why can't I have a kid? I hear the voice of a single parent carrying the weight of being both parents. And they're crying out to God saying, God, I'm just not sure I can carry this any longer. What am I going to do in this scenario? This is, these are two full-time jobs, and I just can't carry the weight of this any longer. I hear the voice of someone who's looking for a job. They've given up on finding a career, and they're just looking for a job, just any job, to, to meet the needs of their family or to put food on the table or just pay their bills. Like, God, would you just provide a job? You know, I hear my voice in that prayer. Over the past several months, there have been some things heavy on my heart in my life that I've just said to God, God, I'm just, I'm just not sure I can carry this any longer. This is heavy. Like, this is crushing me. Like, I feel like I can't stand up under the weight of this any longer. So I know that there are many of us who can identify with Moses in this prayer, in this moment. Now, we're not leading two million people. But we know what it's like to feel like you've got weight on you that is crushing you. And as I listen to Moses' prayer, one of my prayers is that God will deal very gently with him. That God will respond with all grace. And God will say, listen, I I see your burden. I want to lift that. That's my hope and prayer for me, my hope and prayer for you. So listen to Numbers 11, verse 16. God said to Moses, gather before me 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. Bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. I will come down and talk with you there. Listen to what God's going to do. I will take some of the spirit that is upon you and I will put the spirit upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you so you will not have to carry it alone. That's a powerful response from a gracious, gracious God. So God looks into Moses' scenario and says, Moses, I know this weight is on you. I know it's heavy, and I want to help you. I'm going to lighten the load a little bit. Listen to what Jesus says to to you and I in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning a little weary maybe carrying a heavy burden. Jesus is talking to you. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Doesn't that just sound great? 
you know, I read those verses and just reading them helps me a little bit. And I feel a little bit lighter just by reading them. There are moments that I, I feel like I do a better job of applying these verses. And there are moments I don't feel like I do a very good job. And in this most recent scenario in my life, just feeling the weight of all that I've been carrying in preparation for this message, Jesus reminded me of, of this verse in Matthew 11, said, hey, like, remember I told you to bring that stuff to me? Like, yeah, I know, I've been carrying it, like, all by myself. I haven't been bringing that to you. I haven't been coming to you and saying, God, I, I just want to give this to you. I don't want to worry about this. I want to trust you with it. You're going to guide me through it. It's not gone from my life. It's still here, and I need you to help me navigate through this. I need you to teach me. I haven't been doing that a whole lot lately. I've just been kind of trying to make it one more day, one more step, carrying this load. And Jesus said, hey, like Trent, like just bring that stuff to me. I'll teach you. I'll, I'll give you a lighter burden. I'll take that heavy burden from you. I'll give you rest. I'll teach you how to navigate this kind of stuff. It's a process that I think that we learn over time and we relearn. There are moments we get away from it and we've got to relearn how to trust God with those things. And I think a piece of learning what Jesus is telling us here in this moment is found in what God said to Moses. When God said, listen, Moses, I'm going to take the burden that's on you and I'm going to spread it out. I first want you to bring that stuff to me. So, so thank you, Moses, for bringing that to me. But I want to spread that around through some trusted people. So listen to Galatians chapter six, verse two says, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. That verse is one of the reasons I think everybody should be connected in a small group. Everybody should be connected relationally with people that you trust and that you love that can help you carry the burdens of life. You were never meant to go through life alone. There are burdens that some people here this morning are carrying that God never meant for you to carry those things all by yourself. But he's placed some people around you and he would like you to get into some trusted relationships with those people and trust them with that thing that you're carrying so they can help you. So if you're not in a small group, I strongly encourage you to get into one. If you're not in Starting Point or Next Step or one of our men's groups or women's groups or our community groups, I just encourage you to do that. Cody's going to come up later and tell us a little bit of information about Starting Point and Next Step that's, that's going to be happening here in the real new future. But I really encourage you, if you've not done either of those, get involved in that. It's a great place to begin your journey, learning what it means to do life in community, meeting other people, and understanding what it looks like for us to carry the weight with other people. And that's what God did for Moses. So in that moment, God took this burden and he spread it among 70 people. And can you just imagine for Moses what that must have felt like when God said that, said, you're not carrying this alone anymore. There's 70 other people that are gonna carry this with you. Can you imagine for you in your scenario if God had done that? If God would do that for you, if God would say, you know what, I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna spread it amongst your small group. There'd be 10 other people that will help you carry this. That's an incredible gift from our God. So we need to learn how to do life in community. It's, a, it's a, a path that God has for us. It's a way that God wants us to live as his people as we represent him to the world. Now we've got to check back in with the Israelites. They still have this complaint. They're still longing for the days of Egypt so they can have some of that food that they had. And so in Numbers 11, verse 18, listen to what God says to Moses. Say to the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow you will have meat to eat. 
You were whining and the Lord heard you when you cried, oh, for some meat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will have to eat it. And you won't just eat it for a day or for two or for five or 10 or even 20. You will eat it for a whole month until you gag and are sick on it. Another translation says that you're going to eat this so much meat, it's going to come out of your nose. You're going to get so sick of it. Yeah, it's in the Bible. I think you should read it. There's some really cool stuff in the Bible. Now, listen to why God said that. All right, here's the reason God has said this. For you have rejected the Lord. Again, it wasn't about food. They said, God, you're not good enough. We don't like what you provide. All you give us is what is it? So you have rejected the Lord who is here among you, and you have whined him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? So I think God's a little upset with the Israelites. And I think God is about to give them what they've asked for in abundance. And I think they're going to regret it. So we have to be careful when we're in those in-between moments of life and we're praying to God and we're crying out to him, God, give me this, give me this, give me this. If we lock our jaw against God and say, God, I refuse to accept your blessing, the thing that you want to give me, but I want this, God just might give it to us. You just might get what God, what you're asking for. And it just might not be the thing that you need. The thing that you want may not be the thing that God knows that you need. So God promises the Israelites meet, and Moses says to God, God, like, here you go again. You're putting me in this scenario. You're telling the people you're going to give meat. Where am I going to get meat? Like, even if I killed all the livestock that we have, we catch all the fish in the sea, we don't have enough food for all these people. And listen to God's reply, verse 23. Moses, has my arm lost its power? Like, do you really think that I can't do this? Like, have you not paid attention? Like, I freed the Israelites from 400 years of slavery in miraculous ways, gave them the wealth of Egypt, parted the Red Sea so they could walk across on dry ground. Where do you think the manna comes from? Like, when I took a stick and took bad water and turned it into good water, like, do you think that just happened? Like, why aren't you paying attention, Moses? Do you really think this is too hard for me? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. And here's what God did. God brought a very powerful wind that brought in miles of quail. So birds that flew in and around the camp about three feet off the ground. So miles and miles of quail are flying around the Israelites. All they had to do was grab their tennis rackets, go out and whack a few down, get a big basket, and they could collect as much as they wanted. The Bible says that no one collected less than 50 bushels of quail each. That's a whole lot of quail per person. There's like truckloads of quail for each person. Now, I wish this story had a really happy ending. I wish that the the Israelites would have said, God, like we have messed up again. Like you gave us water and like we were complaining. Like we were complaining about the food that we're eating, this bread from heaven. And we've complained about that. God, would you forgive us We're grateful for your provision. I wish that was their response, but it wasn't. I wish that was always my response when God's working in my life, but it always isn't. In verse 33, it says that while they were gorging themselves on the meat, the anger of the Lord blazed against the people and he struck them with a severe plague. So this did not happen to everybody. 
Because not everybody was gorging themselves on the meat, but the people who were gorging themselves died. Those people who said, God, we're not interested in you. We just want food. We just want meat. That's all we want. Those people died. So what do we learn from this part of the story? If you have kids, I think it's a great story to tell them at dinner time. And especially if they're not eating their vegetables. I think it's fantastic, you know. I sit down and tell my kids, hey, listen, do you remember the story? You know, when the Israelites complained about, you know, not having meat, God killed them. So eat your vegetables. (laughs) Don't do that. They may be traumatized forever. These in-between spaces of life are fertile ground for transformational growth. It's a perfect place for God to transform us into the people that he wants us to be. The perfect place. We look at it and go, what good can happen there? And God goes, a lot of good can happen there. But these desert seasons of life can also be places where we get resentful, we get angry, we reject God and his teachings, we get gluttonous. A lot of bad can happen in these in-between seasons of life. If we're not careful, how we walk through these seasons. We can see ourselves as victims. I'm just the victim of life. Look at the spot that I'm in. Instead of seeing ourselves as becoming victorious with every season of life that we're in, whether good or bad. So these seasons that we find ourselves in can be the place where God does his greatest work if we'll let him. So what about your scenario? What about your situation? Will you trust God with it. You know, those desert moments that whether you're in right now or you'll find yourself in in the near future, what are you going to do as you navigate that? Are you going to trust God and say, God, I trust you with everything. I I trust that you're going to give me everything I need at the exact right time. Or are you going to lock your jaw against him and say, God, this is what I want and I want it now. I refuse to listen to what you want to teach me. I refuse to be transformed by you. Will you trust God in these moments? What is it that maybe you find yourself complaining about? What is it that you just find yourself on a regular basis saying to God, I just don't know if I can do this any longer. Will you trust God with that thing, knowing that he's the only one that can take a bad thing and make it a good thing? He's the only one that that can take a bitter thing and make it a better thing. So I'm gonna close in prayer and And as we pray, I encourage you, if there's something on your heart that you find yourself complaining to God about, I encourage you, don't complain to God about it. Talk to him about it. Just say, God, here's the deal. You know what it is. You know what this heavy thing on me is. Just tell God. He already knows what you need. But the Bible says that we should talk to God about those things and he will give us exactly what we need. So let's all have a conversation with God together. God, there are many things in life that can feel so heavy. There are many seasons of life where we find ourselves in the desert and we feel like we're wandering. We feel like it's wasted time. And yet, God, for you, it's never wasted time. It's always a a perfect spot for us to grow to be exactly who you want us to be. So in these moments, it's easy for us to take our eyes off of you and to look at our scenario and find ourselves, just like the Israelites, complaining, 
about what we have or don't have and look into the past and thinking maybe I'd go back there. And yet, God, you've never called us backwards. You always call us forwards. So Lord, there are probably many people here today who have some heavy burdens. And Lord, maybe there's some stuff that we've been complaining about. Instead of talking to you about, instead of saying, God, I'm just gonna bring this to you, like Jesus, you told us to bring us our burdens and you'll give us rest and you'll teach us how to live. You'll teach us how to navigate that stuff. So Lord, we don't wanna complain. We wanna trust. We don't wanna get bitter. We wanna get better. We don't wanna be victims. We wanna be victorious as we walk through every season of life. So Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us. I pray that you would remind us of who you are. You are our great provider. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're in that in-between state right now um, and you feel just down, depressed, like you just can't plug on, um, I just recommend that you just get involved with people. Um, Have good people around you that will just talk truth into your life, keep on guiding you and pointing you to God. Um, And if you don't have that yet, um, we have an introduction to our next step and uh, starting point, um, which is our small group environments here at Epic right after service. Um, If you're interested in plugging into those, you can go grab your kids and then right over in the teacher lounge over on the side of the wall here, um, just five minutes after the service, they're going to have the introduction to that. So I just recommend getting plugged into that. And then for those that want to dig deeper in today's service, um, we have something called the Spiritual Growth Challenge. Spiritual Growth Challenge is a handful of questions, um, some Bible verses that pertain to what Trent was talking about today, and it just kind of stretches you a little bit more, helps guide you through those, uh, those situations that you're just going through right now. So I just recommend that you check into that. And if I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, my name is Cody Anderson, and along with my wife Robin, which is right here, Robin, say hi. Not a lot of people get to meet Robin, so if you haven't met her yet, definitely plug in with her. She's awesome. Um, but we are the Surge Student Ministry Leaders, um, and what we have going on are our 7th to 12th grade students. During the summer, we're going to have a summer camp over in Panama City Beach. It's called the Big Stuff Summer Camp. And on April 21st, right after both services, same thing, you can go get your kids and come over there. Um, we're going to have an informational meeting. So if you want, you can bring your kids there. If you're a student that wants to go there, please plug in with that. It's going to be a great opportunity, great music, great community. You definitely want to join that if you're in the 7th to 12th grade. And then at 5 o'clock today, okay, everybody, please bear with me. I have a lot of announcements today, so I just ask for your patience through this all. But at 5 o'clock today, we're having an epic day at the park. So grab your friends, grab your neighbors, grab your family, grab your food, your running shoes. I don't even know what game they have planned. It'll be absolutely amazing, though. Come and hang out with us. Just join in community with us, with your epic church family here. It's going to be an amazing time, so you definitely want to plug into that. And that we have two teams going to Guatemala this year, um, our Go Guatemala team. And they're going to be building four houses this year over in Guatemala. They're going to be creating a home for Guatemalan families over there. And we need funds for one more house. And one house over there, the average cost of it is $2,800. And I had to double take on that $2,800 for a home. is just, I couldn't believe it, but only $2,800. And if you'd like to partner with us and you aren't going and you'd like to give towards that, you can jump on our website and uh, on the giving tab and you can go ahead on the, on the reference line on the bottom, put Go Guatemala Home Improvement or uh, 
just home building on that. And uh, definitely join them with that. And also our Go teams, our Guatemala Go teams, they're doing a random, a bunch of random things to help people out to be able to raise money for their trips. They're still raising a lot of money. So we have things such as lawn care, computer repair, uh, family photo sessions, house cleaning. Uh, they're taking donations for that. And then also, this is parents, this is something you definitely want to take advantage of, is the parents' night out. So on the 20th of April, they're going to have a parents' night out to where you can come drop off your kids and go do whatever you want. So it's only $10 per kid, so you could definitely, it's something you definitely want to plug into. And if you want to learn more about that, we have a full list of everything that they're doing to be able to raise money for their trips online. And you can go to theepicchurch.com and click on the Not Going Give tab. So even if you're not going, you could definitely be a part of the journey that God has them on. And also, another thing that we have going on is our food drive. Um, we have Grace Food Pantry is a local pantry that we partner with to be able to um, serve uh, people food. So on an average, they serve 2,500 families per month food. So um, what happens during the summer is that their shelves kind of dwindle down. The donations definitely dwindle down. So we are um, having a food drive. So if you could and you feel moved to, we, uh, you could bring in non-perishable food items and you can drop it off over by the Connection Center, right over in the corner between the coffee and the Connection Center. Financial situations got tough, so we had to move into a, a mobile home. It was a two-bedroom home. We have four kids and it was very small. I had no hot water. We were not able to use our oven. That was tough. The kids were safe. They were happy and they had a home. However, to us inside as parents, we knew that it was very detrimental and it was causing a lot of stress and a lot of um, depression we couldn't get out of. Living with no water, no hot water, no oven, um, we had to find other means, and that's when we found Habitat. My kids have a backyard to play in. They all have their own rooms. We have hope. You know, our kids are going to grow up and go to school and live in the same house their whole entire life. Stability has been huge. Our children have really? gone through a lot, so the moving has been tough on them. So having one house to come home to every day after school, after sports, after... Uh, you know, they're in college. Um, they know that this house will always be here uh, when they get home. As we have just gone through house after house after house, and it's meant nothing to them. So this Eight is times. now their home. Habitat has created a home for us. Eight times in the last five years, and now we don't ever have to move again. Help out. I mean, it's... You may not think, you know, it's a lot of work in the middle of summer, and, but you're helping families out that have no hope or they're living in really horrible conditions and they're trying really hard. You're just helping them move on. People give their time they give out of their, their lives all. to help other people and it's really amazing. If I could go back and count every single person that helped in our house, it meant so much to us. It's, it's appreciated by us. It's a very appreciated. So if you're interested in the Habitat build, um, just investing into families here in Flagler County and uh, building hope, building home for them, um, we need 25 people still to be able to do that. And you don't have to be great with a hammer. Um, we're going to have a prep team. We're going to have a food team. So there's, there's going to be plenty, plenty of opportunities to be able to serve in that aspect. But it's on April 27th, which is a Saturday. So if you'd like to plug in with that, go to theepicchurch.com and you can go ahead and join on there and get more details on that. 
And also another way that we could serve is to be able to give. And uh, what we do when we give here is just be able to overflow God's love into the world, um, to be able to create an environment like we have here, uh, to be able to let people know that they can have a relationship with Jesus just like we do. So if you'd like to partner with us, there's two ways that you can give. You can give online at theepicchurch.com, or you can give in the giving boxes that are right behind your seats back there. So if you're new with Epic today, um, go ahead and stop by the Connection Center. We're so happy you're here joining us. Um, back at the Connection Center, they have a little packet for you. Uh, it kind of tells you what the heartbeat of what Epic really is. Um, so definitely stop by there and get some info. Thank you for joining us today, and I'll see everybody at the picnic later on. Have a great week. Awesome. <laughs>